Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors here was 11 and 15. Humble's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. And we have a look at the new inventory. Ooh, boy, plenty of it. Great stuff. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Outstanding. Maybe pre-owned inventory fits the budget. If that's the case, you have a bunch of winners out there. All the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Sales staff is awesome. They work with you, the budget. I mean, they really are terrific to deal with. And not only that, a fabulous service department to back it all up. It's at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots, 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day in a 4-4 game in the eighth inning, Freddie Freeman gets it done. First pitch, fly ball, deep center, going back Kane at the wall, and it's good! Freddie! First pitch, and he sends a shockwave through the ballpark, and they're going crazy here in Atlanta. Indeed they are. Because they're going to the National League Championship Series. They'll face either the Dodgers or the Giants. That is tied at two with the fifth game coming up tomorrow. Josh Hader. Now, it was not a save situation, but to give you an example, with 34 or 35 in save situations this year, this guy doesn't lose leads. And Freeman took that first pitch that he saw with two outs. This is after Hader had struck out two guys in a row. He struck out the first two guys in the inning and drilled at the center field and out. Any complaints about that from you? You complain a lot. so. No, that was a heck of a moment for the Braves last night. I'm just concerned that, you know. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the Braves, but whatever. Eh, it's oh, a good of moment. course you are. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> Well, it's a nice moment. You got to be good enough to get there. That's what makes you mad. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You're just you're just struggling right now. Just struggling. I mean, the good the good times have been flushed. I mean, you're holding out hope for a team that's under 500. That's like your entire hope right now. Well, I don't think... I don't have much hope for this game. Very slight hope, but not much. You never know. Even though we got a gut feeling. (laughs) There you go. It's a short week. You never know. To be honest with you, I don't think the short week helps Philadelphia, to be honest with you. Yeah, no. It wouldn't matter if they played the next day. (laughs) It's... 
takes I mean it, it takes a while to get to kind of figure out. But I don't know. Okay. Um The um, you know, the the problem with what when you're a coach, and we get this to Kurt Ferris, when you're a coach, you above all people know that there are people outside your program that make assumptions about your program. And it drives you nuts that, how can they say that? That's not really the deal, right? It's safe to say that. I'm sure Kirk Ferentz has thought that a few times. What are they saying that about us for? You know, whether it's a reporter, a writer, whatever, right? So that's not true. They're not around us all the time. They have no idea. They don't know. Right? Most coaches probably feel that way, correct? One would think. Yet he says this and has no idea what happened. No idea. I mean, did P.J. Mustafer come back in the game? Did Jonathan Sutherland come back in the game? Did Sean Clifford come back in the game? I mean, I mean, see, I mean, you start going into the list of people who didn't come back in the game. Do you think Jaquan Brisker and Arnold Abicady wanted to be out? Do you think Penn State wanted them out? Let's see, Abicady's got nine tackles for losses and four sacks and was having a great game. Do you think he wants to be out? I mean, come on. It, it, it's not right when, you know, People are looking at the outside, you know, from the outside looking in about your program, and now you're going to look on the outside looking into somebody else's program? You just can't do that. You can't do that. You can't make assumptions about what's going on out there. And he should know better than anybody. Now, maybe you feel he can get away with it by saying it because you don't play Penn State next year. And for all we know, he may never coach against Penn State again. We don't know. But I'm sorry. That's just that was a that that was a bad answer from somebody who should know better. And I do understand completely from his point of view, putting myself in his shoes, I don't want to alienate my own fan base. So for all for anybody he should have gone after his fan. No, actually, to be honest with you, you don't want to alienate your own fan base. You just don't want you don't want to do it, but you got to say it in such a way where you don't, while while not being accusatory on the other side or hinting the other side. Well, this kind of goes to just to to your point uh, about not knowing where, uh, not not knowing the situation and claiming that he knows all these things and, and whatnot. This goes back to what I said during my rant to the top of the show is there's a lot of these college coaches now in college football who think they're untouchable until they do get caught just 
have the Goulouns to say these stupid things. He flat out said, Ferens, he saw Sean Clifford and one other player have ice, and that was it. But mm-hmm. because he thinks he's this big macho guy who's in charge of this football program, and he hasn't been caught yet with all these race allegations, he, he can still just say whatever he wants without any sort of backup whatsoever. That's been that's a well, problem with some of these head coaches now. It's not just Ferens. Ed Orgeron, I would say, is another example. Urban Meyer was at that time, and maybe still is when in this time in the NFL. Jim Harbaugh to some degree. And this this is all over the place in college football. Well, Kirk has never been a guy to step out of his lane in the twenty three years I've been around him. He, I mean, he hasn't. I mean, let's be fair here. You know, when Dan Radakovich passed away, I mean, Jack's there. Kirk Ferentz showed up at it. I mean, look, I mean, he's done a lot of things that are right along the way. And we sit back and go, okay, you know what? That's a class thing to do. You know, something like that. All right? This one, was, I think, was is a touchy one, but he didn't handle it right. Now, the Iowa fan base loves him for what he said. They love him for saying it. You know, you're playing to the mob. Okay, that, okay, I understand that you did that. That doesn't mean it's right. There's a better answer than that that more fits his personality as to as to the guy I've, I've heard for 23 years. You know? Um, when he didn't want to alienate his fan base... So he didn't. But there's a better way of putting it. And by the way, the difference is he had time to think about the answer because it was yesterday's press conference. It wasn't this. This is not a comment made after the game in the heat of the moment. He had time to think about what the best answer would be. And that's what he came up as the best answer. That's the issue to me. You had time to think about that answer because you knew that question was coming up. And either you're completely comfortable with that answer or that's the answer you came up with and that wasn't the right way to handle it. I understand he does not want to alienate his fan base. That I do understand. I don't know how much more fair he wants me to be about it, understanding that element. I do understand. He doesn't want to alienate his fan base, so he doesn't want to scold them or anything like that. Especially in a time where people are fighting to sell tickets. But when you've had time to think about it, and that's what you came up with, that's a head-scratcher. All right. Now, if any of you have any comments, give us a call. It's. I go back to Michael Penix getting hurt in Beaver Stadium. Now, you know, Tyler Will was down for such a long time. Everybody's kind of holding their breath for Villanova. But you think about the players that have been down here in the field. Like Michael Penix is down in the field. Okay. He gets up. Everybody gives him a standing ovation as he goes to the locker room, trying to encourage him. The poor guy's been through a lot. Of two ACLs and everything else he's gone through. Right? You know, you know and this is the guy that rallied Indiana a year ago 
you know, was part of that controversial play. He didn't make the call. He just made a play. You know, fans hold it against him. You plotted for him when he left the field. Okay. That's the way you handle it. And look, every other fan base I've been around, I can't, I can't remember anybody. You know, I've never done a game where a team was tempo, 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 and somebody laid down. Now, that I've never done. I've never done a game like that, okay? And, the, and you hear the fans on TV, for example, boo when that happens. Like, what are they doing? All right. Okay, I've never done a game like that. Yeah, it's not like Penn State's never gone tempo, but nobody's laid down or anything like that. And conversely, I've never once see, seen Penn State do that. Iowa doesn't play tempo. I mean, just from a common sense point of view, an absolute common sense point of view, you have to have either no common sense whatsoever or you're just so blinded by the whole thing. From a common sense point of view, there's no need to lay on the field against Iowa's offense. None. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Okay? They're not even in a hurry when they run to the locker room. You know, they they go about their business, they huddle, they get to the line of scrimmage, they make their play, whatever, boom. Usually snap the ball anywhere from 28 to 35 seconds into the play clock, so there's anywhere from 5 to 12 seconds remaining, and then that's it. Then they go back. They're not in a rush. There's no need to lay down. What are you laying down for? What are you trying? What momentum are you trying to stop? <laughs> again, you know how I operate over and over again. Everybody's heard me on this show now in our 10th year. I always talk about elements so often from a common sense point of view. What's the common sense of somebody laying down against that offense? None. There is no common sense to it. Zero. Oh, my goodness, we have to stop their momentum. They're huddling. Really? We need a breather. They're huddling. (laughs) You're getting a breather. They are huddling. I mean, common sense tells you uh, no. And that's how I always approach things. From a common sense point of view, does something make sense? From a common sense point of view, this makes no sense. The answer was not it was not a good answer. And he had time to think about it. Oh well. We got other things to talk about. Besides bizarre press conference answers. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WK. McDonough with it. Skates up the center of the ice under two minutes to play. McDonough over the Lightning logo, hands it off to Point, turns it over to Rust for the empty net. He scores! And Brian Rust adds to the Pittsburgh total. It's 6 to 2 with 1.49 to go. Opening night in the NHL, it's Josh Getzoff. We'll talk to Josh in the next half hour. He'll join us from Sunrise, Florida. Where it's 90 degrees, by the way. Really? Wow, 90 degrees. But we'll talk to Josh about opening night. And the Seattle Kraken opened last night as well. 
Uh, Kraken fell behind 3 nothing, then tied the game 3-3, and then Vegas won it in the third period 4-3. The Kraken, by the way, will play their first five games on the road. And the reason they're playing their first five on the road is they were trying to create a buffer to make sure the arena was finished. So that's that's why they're opening the way they're opening. But they opened last night. I mean, it's, their franchise is off and running. And the Penguins, without so many key guys in the lineup, were outstanding. Jeez, I mean, think about it. The guys they have out. It's been a rough uh, 24 hours, too, for uh, Tampa Bay. After losing, by the way, um, to the Red Sox, the Rays are out, and then Tampa Bay raises the banner last night, the Lightning, and 6-2, to two, they were... You know, the Penguins were just on them. I mean, they may have been scoreless in the first period, but the Penguins were all over them last night. All over them. The Flyers, by the way, didn't play, so again, you know. They actually don't play till Friday. The league is just trying to do the best they can to ease the pain. <laughs> well, that I can understand, because honestly... I can't remember the last time I wasn't, like, overly excited for a Flyer season, to be honest with you. You know, it's it's interesting about the Flyers, so let's, let's at least get into that for a moment, okay? Um, I've never seen a franchise exist so much on two Stanley Cups that were one in the 70s. I mean, they act like it was just yesterday it happened. You know, like, now it's not like the Flyers over the years haven't been good. They've had trips to Stanley Cup Finals. Um, but boy, they sure. I mean, it's it's not like they haven't been the Finals. They have in recent years, though. They really have struggled. Yep. You know, I, I don't, and, and I don't know why. To be honest with you, I mean, I don't. I, I watch them when they're on, but I don't sit there and, quote, follow them. You know what I mean. Like, oh, okay, what's the deal with this? I don't know. I mean, you follow them, and obviously you obviously you don't want to do it anymore, I can tell. <laughs> For me, it's questionable decisions by Chuck Fletcher. And it's, once again, just not getting enough skill and scoring. Yeah. We're still on the Broad Street Bullies mentality. No, that's not how the NHL works anymore. You need more consistent scoring and skill. And the Flyers have never had that, really, for the past decade. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... What they need is they need not just skill and scoring; they need speed. But they also need some defense too. A lot, <laughs> but they, pretty... but they, but but speed goes to defense. Yes, too. absolutely. Yeah, they need, they, they need speed, everything. Speed goes to defense. You can make up for a lot of mistakes with speed. 
All right, Josh gets off next half hour. Looking forward to that. We'll talk about opening night in the NHL. Penguins won 6-2. Vegas uh, beats Seattle 4-3. And it's great that I think we're able to say that Seattle is a team. I think that's really cool. And they're going to have climate-controlled ice. Yeah. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. The best in new inventory, Ford, and you know I've been looking at Ford. Kia, Hyundai. Hyundai, of course, has an incredible guarantee, warranty, fabulous. Great pre-owned inventory, all at the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Now, that has some teeth to it, no doubt. Great uh, sales staff that works with you. That's why they have so much repeat business. And a service department that is outstanding, taking care of everything from the difficult to the extremely important routine. It is all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. In the 105 years of the NHL, a team has scored three empty net goals in a game just four times. And the last time it happened was the Detroit Red Wings in 1984, until last night when the Penguins did it. With that, we go to beautiful Sunrise, Florida, where it's in the 90s. And at the practice rink with the Pens, Josh Getzoff. Josh, welcome. Steve, great to be on with you, and you are correct. It is great to be in Florida. Uh, we, we were hoping maybe mid-January, but we won't complain being down here at any time when it's 90 and sunny, so I'll take that. Phenomenal. All right. <laughs> so for Tampa Bay, a rough 24 hours. The Red Sox eliminate the Rays, <laughs> and then on banner-raising night, the Penguins stick it to them 6-2. to two. Uh, could you tell how quickly into that game could could you tell that the Penguins had a good flow on the ice? Uh, I think it was pretty instantaneous, Steve. I'm sure you watched as well. I mean, the Penguins were dialed in. They were, uh, I, I said on the broadcast, not even a step quicker than Tampa. I felt like they were a couple steps ahead of them uh, with everything that was happening on the ice. They established a really productive and strong forecheck immediately in the first period. Uh, they didn't hesitate to get pucks on Andre Vasilevsky. He's obviously the best goalie in the world, so right. it's going to be tough to get things past him. But to keep him busy was a, a key for them uh, going into that game. And I really felt like whatever Mike Sullivan drew up before that game, as far as a game plan was concerned, was executed about as closely as it possibly could. And it took that to get past a team like that, who, you know, in Tampa's defense, admittedly did not have their A game. But at the same time, it's two points that are in the bag for the Penguins to start the season, and they're two big ones at that. Yeah, but that's a team that wins a lot of games with its B game. Right? Yeah, when, you're right. That's you're, a good point. When you're really good, you may have a B night, and you're still good enough to win because you're that talented. And that's what impressed me. Even when that game was scoreless, in watching that game, you could tell right away who the better team was even in a scoreless game. Yeah, and you know what I, I thought was really interesting too, Steve, and we talked about this on the broadcast, that the, uh, the Penguins – 
really outplayed them in the first period. I think they doubled them up in shots 14 to 7. They I mean, did. it was uh, it was fairly one-sided. But you also got the feeling of, oh, man, did they just let an opportunity slip away to catch Tampa before they could get their footing. And then to Pittsburgh's credit, right off the faceoff in the second period, Jeff Carter creates that turnover and Dan Heinen scores 12 seconds in. And you almost had the carryover effect from the first. And it didn't really allow Tampa to put their feet down and get comfortable in that game because of that. So I just felt like their commitment to what they needed to do to win that game was Honestly, as far as the 60-minute effort, something that we haven't seen consistently from the Penguins really since I've been around and since Mike Sullivan's been the coach as far as without the big guys in the lineup. But they all yeah. bought in. Uh, and to start that way and, and win it against a team like that in that kind of an atmosphere, uh, you know, they put themselves in a situation here where they could have a perfect road trip to start the year. And Josh, I'm really big on guys who have been there, done that before. Uh, when I see a guy, I thought the acquisition of Jeff Carter last year, like, is he a superstar? What, I, but he's a guy that's been there, done that. How important is his presence considering that, quote, the big guys are currently out? Yeah, so I'll tell you this, Steve. We're back with the team this year after not traveling last year. Oh. So I didn't really get a chance to, to meet Jeff Carter or get to know him at all last year because we were just kept away. Um, which, you know, was understandable given the situation. But being back this year, and even a little bit, we've been around the team here to start this season and been here, you know, traveling with them in Florida. Mike Sullivan said it last year. When Jeff Carter walked into a room, there's just kind of an unspoken swagger because of what he's accomplished in his, his career, and it's there. I mean, I'll tell you, just watching him, just being around him, seeing how the guys uh, speak with him and respect him and kind of follow his lead a little bit, uh, I think it's been really fun to watch. And then, you know, the, not even a cherry on top, the, the bonus to all of it has been that he's produced at such a high level and so consistently still at the age of 36. I mean, it's I, I'll be honest, I, I, going into this year, I'm trying to temper expectations because nine goals in 14 games like he did last year seems unrealistic as far as a pace set to come into this season. But he looked great last night. He was the strongest player on the ice, I thought, for the Penguins. Uh, set up that first goal. You know, he was making Tampa have all kinds of problems in their own zone. He got on Victor Hedman. He got on Mikhail Sergachev. Like, these guys that generally don't have much of an issue getting the puck out of their own end had Jeff Carter and many other Penguins in their face uh, often last night. So I, I really was impressed with the player that he is, and now I'm starting to get to know the person that he is. And you can see why Ron Hextall went out and got him last year, already having obviously knowledge of him from his time with him in L.A. and Philly. And uh, he's come in here and just as been an absolute gem of a find for this team for what he's been able to do. In fact, it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, so let's talk shop for just a little a moment here, but the fans will benefit from it. Jack Ham and I last year were at every game, but we couldn't be around the team. I mean, we even stayed in a separate hotel. We traveled separately and so forth. But we were there, so that was a plus of being there. But he didn't get to really know everybody and get a real feel for being around people. What's it been like for you to now get back with the team, travel around and be with them after going through last year where in a lot of ways you were doing the job and making sure that the job was at least getting done without those connections? Sure. No, you're right. Uh, that's great that you guys were able to travel last year because it was definitely something that, you know, when we weren't doing it, you kind of just accepted it for what it was. But I'll tell you, Phil Bork and I, when we did all the preseason games on the road this year too, and uh, you know, granted, that's not the same atmosphere as what it was in Tampa last night, not even close to it, but just being out there for a few games and kind of looking around and being like, okay, you know, you, you don't realize how much you don't see when you're not 
sitting in no the booth doubt. and calling the game. And no last night, as that whole ceremony was happening, you know, Borky, he's great. He just looks over <laughs> at me and gives me a fist bump, and he just kind of nodded his head as if to be like, this is awesome. Like, it's so mm-hmm. great to be back in here. And uh, I agree with that completely. It's, it's awesome, and, uh, you know, it was a great atmosphere last night. And just being back in these buildings where they – you know, even as they're practicing here while I'm talking to you right now in Sunrise, it's it's just fun to see. I mean, it's it's normal. And, and I know there's a lot about the world that's still not normal and a lot needs to be figured out. But uh, to have this kind of dose of normalcy from the sports perspective is uh, uh, not to get dramatic, but pretty therapeutic on a lot of fronts. It's interesting because, yeah, we refer to it as normal with a small N. That's how we refer to it as right now. But it's it makes such a difference in and the fact that all the stuff you can see, I mean, it's a, in other words, you know, there are probably plays that you couldn't pick up on last year. They like just in the preseason and last night, the whole thing is right there in front of you with a full vista. You could really call the game the way you wanted to. No, you're right. I mean, and, and it's just, I, I think also, and I'm sure you would say this with Jack too, you look at the, the color guy and they have to notice so many things oh, away yeah. from what we're calling and, to come off a monitor, it's a tough ask to, to have yeah. them describe the flow of the game because, honestly, they don't see sometimes the penalties that happen behind the play because they're not on camera. Yeah. Um, but when you're in the building, you see everything. And there were a couple times last night, a couple penalties in the game. I mean, one of them was point blank in front of us, but the other one, you know, Phil noticed what it was behind the play. He yeah. just holds a little post-it up for me to see what it is, and I can say it as if I saw it, but I didn't. And that's the nice bonus of, you know, being in the building and having four eyeballs out there, you know, on what's going on on the ice. So uh, it is a welcome return for for sure. And, you know, there's there's limitations, of course. It's not 100% what it was, but sure. we're here. And right. you can't ask for much more than that. No, you can't. No. Well, don't rub it in that you're there in Florida, okay? I get that. At some point, <laughs> That's the last time I'll say it. Okay. It, it, at some point, it's going to get cold, Josh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, hey, hey, listen, I, in about a month and a half, we're going to uh, Winnipeg, Toronto, and Montreal. I think I'll be singing a different yeah, okay. tune. Guess what? <laughs> they just got even with you. All right. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> this is obviously going to be a test of the organizational depth without having some of the big names not there. Through the preseason and that opener last night, what have you seen in the organizational depth that maybe gives you hope that they'll be able to get negotiate this part of the season before other guys get back? Well, I think there's a couple things. First of all, it should be mentioned, as I'm talking to you right now, um, Sidney Crosby's on the ice for practice. Jake Gensel's on the ice for practice. Zach Aston Reese is on the ice for practice. Like These guys, I'm not saying they're in the lineup, Right. But they're close. They right. wouldn't be practicing if they weren't close. So I think that gives the guys a jolt just knowing that they're right around the corner. Um, but, you know, I talked to Ron Hextall today for our GM show, and he, he said something that I thought that was really interesting, but true from the player perspective, that they know they're coming back, but they're not waiting for them to come back, these guys that are in the lineup. They're, they're taking advantage of the opportunity. And, you know, you look last night, Steve, I mean, six different goal scorers, all the newcomers, and I, I, I hesitate to call Dominic Simone a newcomer, having been here for five years already, but on his return, he finds the back of the net. You got Brian Boyle scoring, got Dan Heinen scoring, uh, you know, you got a point from Brock McGinn, Tristan Jari looked great. I just thought anyone who needed to have a strong start to the season, and I do realize it's one of 82, so you got to keep it in perspective, but in that kind of a situation with who you were missing, uh, it was really encouraging. And I, I do think a lot of these guys realize, hey, listen, you can do the numbers here. Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Zach Aston-Reed, mm-hmm. 
Evgeny Malkin. That's four roster spots that are going to be snatched up here when they come back into the lineup. So that means four of these guys in right now are watching with us in the press box probably in not too short of time either. So uh, the the competition continues, and Mike Sullivan's always been huge on that internal competition. I will be honest that he's never really had it um, like he has right now with who's out of the lineup. So I think that's been interesting too because he talks about that, and it may be one or two guys, but you got four or five guys right now that are going to be, quite frankly, hard to pull out of the lineup because of what they've been able to do for this team. Um, So obviously there'll be no hesitation with who's coming back, but it's a good problem to have. And I really was encouraged by, you know, the, the amount of guys that stepped up and really put their best foot forward last night to start this season. It also gives them an opportunity to take a look at some line combinations, which you may be forced into down the road in the season. I think in some ways that helps out Mike Sullivan. Oh, no question. I think that Mike Sullivan's able to see a couple guys. You know, he's always been someone who believes that he'd like to have guys in his lineup that can play the wing and the center. I mean, the first guy that comes to mind for me is Evan Rodriguez, yes. who's largely been used as a winger since he's been acquired uh, a couple years ago from Buffalo. He's in the middle right now with Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen, and you know, I, I think you'd like to see a better finish from Evan in the chances he's had, but he's getting chances, and he's working his tail off, and I thought he was one of the Penguins' best players in the preseason. Um, so, that's a guy right now that you know sees an opportunity and is going to make things difficult as far as taking him out of the lineup. And um, there's just depth, and there's guys that can move around. And they brought in a guy like Brian Boyle who can kind of cement that fourth line center role that gives them just the opportunity to build from that point upward in their lineup too. So uh, they have a lot of speed. I think they have a lot of guys that are trying to prove themselves. And honestly, they have a lot of. Let's just be real here. They have a lot of question marks around their team. It's a are they going to snap the playoff streak this year? Are they going to get in with the injuries they're dealing with? So they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, not to sound too cliche, but I think it was proven last night by how they played and what they did. It was, it was a systematic and business-like performance to go in there and beat that team. Tristan Jari is the one that got the start last night. Uh, how do you feel about the, the Penguins in goal with Jari and obviously Casey DeSmith? Yeah, so I think we all thought, you know, is there going to be a change? Will something happen? Ron Hextall obviously uh, was the goaltender and a pretty successful one at <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, he was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he, he had his moments. Um, so I, I wasn't sure how he was going to approach it. You know, in talking to Hextall um, last year as the season was winding down and after it ended, I did actually get the vibe that there wasn't going to be a change. And I said that, and I thought that because you look at the big picture – Tristan Jari's 26. He's under contract for this year and one more at $3.5 million a year. And the Penguins are a team that plays to the cap, or pays to the cap, excuse me. And you look around the league, and I just put this out there as a reference. I mean, people say, go get another goalie. My response is who? And by that, I mean, you know, Jonathan Bernier, who last year won, I think, less than 10 games with the Detroit Red Wings signed a deal that pays him over $4 million a year with the New Jersey Devils for two years. So Tristan Jari is making less than him, and Bernier did less for a, a worse team a year ago and will be on a worse team this year too. Right. So, I mean, I always ask the question, who and with what money? I mean, there's just not yeah. a lot of options out there. But I think when you look at the grand scheme of things with Tristan, there's a lot to build off of. The guy had 25 wins last year, fourth most in the National Hockey League. He was you know, a guy that I think when you look down the stretch actually played some really good hockey for the mm-hmm. Penguins. He, he shut out a couple of strong teams in those last couple of games, shutting out the Islanders, shutting out the Bruins down the stretch. Um, 
and you know he lost his way in the playoffs. There's no way to beat around the bush on that one. He was a terrible turnover in Game Five. We all were kind of hoping that he'd be able to mentally put that past him in Game Six, and he looked like a, a lost puppy uh, on Long Island in that game when the Islanders ended the Penguin season. So I, I definitely feel like he's a guy that's going to have the spotlight on him all season long. I mean, even if he wins 10 games in a row, right. it's going to be about, that's great, but what are you doing once the Stanley Cup playoffs start? Right. So um, he's kind of going to be on a wait-and-see basis as far as the uh, the um, appreciation factor, probably, from the fans and people around the league. But, you know, he looked great last night. I thought he made yeah. some timely saves. Uh, he looked confident. He looked calm. And in that setting, that's exactly what you want to see. So uh, I feel like, you know, as far as a building block, that's a good one, and I would not be shocked to see him right back in net here tomorrow night against Tampa or against Florida. In fact, they probably add, you know, usually you hit an offseason, people ask questions about goalkeeping to begin with, goaltending to begin with. But when it's an expansion year, and of course, Mark Andre Fleury ended up going to Vegas in the expansion, that's why they're wondering, are they, you know, which one is going to be unprotected? What are they going to do? And that probably added to the drama surrounding goal. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, to be honest, I wasn't sure what the uh, Kraken were going to do. They they ended up signing Phil Grubauer after drafting a couple of goalies. Yeah. In draft. And I kind of looked at it and said, oh, be careful here because Casey DeSmith's a pretty dependable backup and for yeah. a cheap rate, too. I, I wasn't sure if they'd maybe take a look at him. But once they started picking up all these goalies, that kind of eliminated that option. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that – Anytime you have these expansion drafts, and now the Penguins have dealt with them, what, two times in the last five years? Yes. They're, they're going to make things interesting, and I think the wounds are still fresh with what happened with Vegas for a lot of Penguins fans. So, you know, seeing this, this uh, draft coming up this year, immediately your attention went to goal. Um, obviously, the Kraken took Brandon Tanev, but yeah. it, it was, it, you know, it was always a possibility. And, it's, and I still wouldn't put Ron, ask Ron Hextall to, look at the goaltending situation as this season moves along, whether or not Tristan Jari is playing great. Um, I just feel like that that's always going to be something that you never want to have too many options or not enough options in. Um, and the Penguins certainly have uh, put themselves in a decent spot with Jari and the Smith. Um, but it's all, you know, kind of a wait and see approach to see where these guys are at with their overall body of work as we kind of get going here. But Josh, part of that body of work is how people play in front of you. And I thought in front of Tristan Jari last night, in my opinion, I thought they played really well in front of him, including back checking by the forwards. What did you think watching it? Oh, they were great. I, I thought that they really clogged up a lot of the lanes and the defenses on yes. the lightning really couldn't get a lot of pucks through. And honestly, you know, Mike Sullivan talked a lot in the morning about making sure that a lot of the Penguins' focus was the play between the blue lines and the neutral zone because Tampa is just such a fast team. And they love to come up ice with speed, and they love to play in transition. And if you can slow them down and force them to work their way into the zone as opposed to fly into the zone, it dramatically changes things for how they like to set up and how they like to attack. And I really thought the Penguins did an unbelievable job on that front last night. And as a result, to your point, made things a little bit easier for Tristan Jari from the perspective of, you know, seeing shots, being able to track the puck, and then also not giving them a whole lot of second-chance opportunities to Jari's credit. There were many times where he covered up or made a save and immediately froze the puck so that uh, there wouldn't be any, uh, you know, chances for the lightning in and around the net. So I just thought that it was a really sound game 
both yeah. sides offensively and defensively, and that trickled back into the goal. And again, they cleared lanes. There are so many times last night where Jari wasn't screened because they cleared lanes, and I thought that was really important. There was one where it was point blank top of the circle, and everybody, and Jari's like, let's just play catch, and I thought that was great. Josh, yep. enjoy. Okay, who knows what golf course you're playing? No idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for putting the practice sound in the background. We all know you're on the 16th tee. <laughs> uh, okay, guys, you can turn you can turn the sound off now. I'm finishing the interview. <laughs> Josh, great job. And by the way, we're so thrilled that they made the right choice by having you be the full time guy which is phenomenal because you earned it and you're one of the best in the business. Thank you so much. It means a lot coming from you, Steve. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on. The voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. High School Roundtable is tomorrow. We'll preview the weekend's games as we hit mid-October. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, care routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK.